Good morning, church. Our scripture reading today is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. Again, that's 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. And the word of the Lord reads, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Amen. I don't know if you've thought about it, but <clears throat> lately anyway, that Christianity has, has been around for a long time. I mean, faith in Jesus Christ has been a, a real, qualifiable, publicly acknowledged belief for over 2,000 years. Think about that. All that the world has seen, good and bad, and everything in between, for these past well over 2,000 years, faith in Jesus Christ has seen it and endured it all. The United States, as a country, has been around for less than 250 years. And despite uh, all the pride that she takes in her power and her prestige and stature in the world, relatively speaking, she is a relatively young and immature nation. 2,000 years is a long time. And in those 2,000 years, as you can imagine, it is, it is possible and likely that you develop some traditions. And one of such traditions is called the Paschal greeting or the Easter acclamation. Now, you may not know formally that it's called that, but no doubt some of you have in, engaged in it even today. It's what happens when a brother or sister comes to you and greets you with Christ is risen, and you respond, he is risen indeed. That is a long-standing tradition in the church. It is called the Paschal greeting or the Easter acclamation. It's a confession that sums up the reason why we're here today. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It is the foundational confession of Christianity. It is the first confession of the church. You realize that? It is the very first confession of the church. And in that, it is singularly the most important confession of the church. It's a confession that is directly rooted in the Scriptures. It is based upon the confession of the earliest apostles in, in Luke chapter 24 and, and verse 34 when the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they get back and they find the other the 11 uh, disciples gathered together, the Bible says that, the, that they said to them, the Lord has risen indeed. They come to the other, tw the other 11 to tell them that the Lord has risen, and they say, oh, no, the Lord has risen indeed. He's already appeared to Peter. 
This was the conviction and the confession of the first disciples. This remains the core conviction and confession of every disciple today. This is the, this is the core of Christianity. Okay? The resurrection of Jesus was and is the core of Christianity. Wherever Christianity is proclaimed faithfully, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is at the heart of it. Listen, beloved. Christians may disagree on a lot of things. There may be differing views and differing practices from church to church, from denomination to denomination. Some believe in speaking in tongues, some don't. Some believe in baptizing infants, some don't. Some believe in having instruments in their worship, and some won't. Some believe in offering sacraments every Sunday, and some believe in offering the Lord's table once a year. Yet the one thing that every faithful church or denomination proclaims this morning and is a non-negotiable is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Non-negotiable. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean? Does it mean that you love your neighbor? Does it mean that you keep the Ten Commandments? Does it mean that you honor your mother and your father? Does it mean that you attend church every Sunday morning? Does it mean you vote in a certain way? Beloved, all these things are important, and all these things have their place. And some of them, in your own personal estimation, may be more important than others. But none of them lay at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. None of them lay at the core of Christianity. You know what the Bible says, what it means to be a Christian? Romans. Chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. You acknowledge that he is Lord and that he is raised from the dead. And you will be saved. You will be saved. Christianity, at its core, cut it down to its bare minimum. It's Christ crucified on the cross. It is Christ buried in the tomb. But most importantly, beloved, it is Jesus Christ raised from the dead on the third day. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 3. For I delivered to you, 
as of first importance. The most important thing, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. When the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to our Corinthian brothers and sisters, he addressed, he addressed some very important issues with which that church was dealing with at the time. Many of the issues that the Corinthians were dealing with, we continue to deal and struggle through. He reminded the saints that life in the church only works when love is the highest virtue shared and pursued by everyone. He reminded them that worship is important. He reminded them that you have to be doing things decently and in order because order is important. He reminded them that communion and baptism are to be practiced, and they are important. He reminded them that loving each other is important. He reminded them that holiness is important. But notice what he says. The singular most important thing is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that... None of the other things matter. That's why it's at the core. The resurrection is the reason. The resurrection is the power. The resurrection is the purpose for everything else. What use is holiness if Christ is not raised from the dead? What use is the cup and the bread if Christ is not raised from the dead? What use is worship? What is the point of love if Christ is not, read, is not raised from the dead? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is raised and is alive. The good news is that Jesus Christ is risen. And this is what he says. This is what he says. You look at verse 1. He says, now, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news of the gospel I preached to you before. Let me remind you of the good news. Let me remind you of the gospel. What is the good news? What is the gospel? What is the message that Paul here is communicating that is indispensable, that is most important? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that the good news of which the Bible speaks is not that we got new voters registered to vote. The good news is not that we lobbied Congress and they enacted 
more laws restricting abortion. The good news is not that it came across your ticker that Derek Chauvin was convicted. The good news is not all of a sudden the Falcons figured out how to win the Super Bowl. The good news of which the Bible speaks is that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. The good news is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the gospel, Paul says, that I preached to you before. That is the gospel that I want to remind you of. This is the good news we preach. Notice what he said in verse 1. The gospel I preach to you. The gospel I preach to you. The good news that I proclaimed to you. I'm about to remind you of it. I'm about to remind you that it is of first importance. I'm about to remind you that it is the most critical truth. In fact, it is so critical, he says in verse 3 of chapter 15, I delivered it to you. The idea there, the idea that Paul has there, he's thinking, I personally delivered this. I personally handed it over to you as a package, as a message that is of utmost importance and requires your personal care. I didn't send it. I brought it to you. I delivered this because this is the most important thing that I had to say. This is the message. And Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 11, this is the message that was entrusted to him. Why? Because this is a critical thing. And this is what was entrusted to him. And consequently, this is the message that he entrusted to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, he called it the good deposit. He called it a treasure. He called it a precious truth. Here's the good deposit. Here's the treasure. Here's the precious truth. Or as he said to the Corinthians, the most important truth. And this is the first and foundational truth. It is the message we preach. And what is that message? Well, first of all, that message is Jesus. That message is Jesus. When we say that we preach the gospel, the good news, what we mean is we preach Jesus. Jesus. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, right? For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We preach Jesus. Said it again in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. This is the gospel I preach. Jesus. 
Colossians chapter 1, and verse 28. To put it very simply, he is the one we proclaim. Him we proclaim. We proclaim Jesus. We preach Jesus. The central character of the gospel is Jesus. The proclamation and preaching of the gospel is making Jesus known. Our preaching is not so that you would know the preacher better. Our preaching is not so that you would be more well-versed in popular culture. Our preaching is not so that you would know who to vote for in the upcoming election. But our preaching is so that you would know Jesus better. So you would trust Jesus more. But it's not just any Jesus. It is not just any Jesus. It is Jesus raised from the dead. As beloved, you can believe a lot of things about Jesus. But if you don't believe that Jesus is the one we proclaim raised from the dead, then you don't believe in the biblical Jesus. The one crucified. The one buried. The one raised on the third day. And so the message we preach is the message of Jesus, but is Jesus resurrected. It is Jesus resurrected. The hope and conviction of the early church, of the early disciples, beloved, and don't miss this. Their hope and their conviction and their message was not that they just knew Jesus. It was not just that they lived with Jesus. It was not just they walked around with Jesus. But their conviction was that they saw him after he had been buried. They saw him raised from the dead. They saw the resurrected Lord. And that's what the apostle says, right, in verse 5. What I'm talking about is the one who appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of them are still living and they can testify to what I'm talking about. But then, then he appeared to James. And then the apostle says, but I'm not taking their word for it. I'm telling you what I saw. He appeared to me. That's why I preach Jesus is alive. This is the good news that he is raised from the dead. I'm not here to talk about Jesus is a great prophet. He might have been that. I'm not here to proclaim Jesus as a fantastic teacher. He is all that. I am not here to tell you what a magnificent leader and example Jesus is. He is all that. I'm not here just to tell you that Jesus is your friend. But the point that the apostle is making is that Jesus is 
alive. And if you preach Jesus and don't preach him raised from the dead, you don't preach Jesus. This is the point that the apostle is making. The resurrection makes all the difference. Jesus died, yeah, but others died. Jesus was buried, yeah, but others were buried. Jesus was resurrected. There's only one got that on their resume. And beloved, listen. And if I didn't believe that Jesus was raised, and is alive, I tell you for surety, I wouldn't be here this morning. I would not be here this morning. Why would I be? But since Jesus is alive, but since Jesus is raised from the dead, I can't imagine being anywhere else. The difference. That's the difference the resurrection makes. It makes everything else matter. Without the resurrection? Without the resurrection? What difference? I want you to think about this with me this morning. Might get a little heavy. Without the resurrection, what difference does anything make? Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what difference does anything make? Paul says, chapter thir- in, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, the same chapter, verse 32, what do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, if all there is is this life, if all there is is what we see, if all there is is in the ground and there is no resurrection because Jesus is not raised, then what difference does it make how you treat white people or how you treat black people? What difference does it make who sits in the back of the bus and who sits in the front of the bus? What difference does it make if babies are killed inside the womb or outside the womb? What difference does it make who believes in Jesus and who doesn't believe in Jesus? What difference does it make who you worship or why you worship? If all there is is this life, If all there is when they put you in the ground is dirt in your nose, if that is it, if that is all you can hope for, then there is no difference, beloved, between Adolf Hitler and Martin Luther King Jr. There is no difference between Mother Teresa and Osama bin Laden. If this is all there is, if this life is all we have to hope for and there is no resurrection because Jesus was not raised, 
then let's shut the doors, go home, kick up your feet, turn on Disney, get you a drink, be merry, and die. That's all it is. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But the Apostle Paul says, I got good news. I got good news. I got the most important news. I got news that makes all the difference. And the news is this. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. And since Christ is alive, Everything matters. It matters how you treat black people. It matters how you treat white people. It matters how you treat all people. It matters who is made to sit where and how on the bus. It matters who is born and who is killed in the womb. It matters who is tried and convicted for crimes. It matters who, but what you believe and who you believe in. It matters. Because Jesus is alive. It matters who we worship. It matters what we preach. It matters how we live. It matters who we serve. And that's why we say, that's why we proclaim to a world, I serve a risen Savior, and he's in the world today. And I know that he is risen, and I don't care how smart those men or women might say. He is still, beloved, the hope of all who seek him. He is still the help of all who find. For there is no one else so good, so lovely, and so kind, and who is worshipped, who is worthy of the worship of this resurrected mind. Why? Because he lives. Because he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. And he talks with me. Along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. And this morning, he has salvation to impart. And you ask me how? I know he lives. And first of all, because Paul said he saw him. <laughs> Peter said he saw him. There's 500 other disciples, men and women, said they saw him. And they were willing to lay down their lives because they saw him. He asked me how I know he lives, because they saw him. But I also know he lives, because he lives within my heart. He lives. He lives. And he makes all the difference.
Let's pray.